0: Hey, church, just want to say a quick hi from us, from the whole Reading family. Uh, we, we love you. You are family to us. Even if we don't know you, and that might be a weird thing, you are family to us because in Christ, under the Father, we have been made one. We are family together, pursuing the kingdom of God together as family. You know, today we're going to be talking about family and what it means to, I guess, have family as a goal in one sense, but more importantly, have it actually as a constant expression in Christ. What does that mean? What does that look like? What does it mean if you're not married even? What does it mean if you are or you you were or, you know, there's so many complexities in life that sometimes we feel like. When we hear the word family we feel like it's nearly either a scary thing we feel like it's turned into an idolatrous thing how do we make this a kingdom thing you know one of the things i've been pondering lately is the idea of marriage and singleness we see in my view and i'll talk about this a little later uh some people who nearly uh commit idolatry as they uh aim for marriage thinking that that will be the ultimate place of their fulfillment. Yet Jesus is clear that that's not the case of course. He wasn't married, the Apostle Paul wasn't married, and he tells us that in the coming kingdom none of us will be given in marriage. Yet at the same time people make the opposite and uh, incorrect assumption as well that our well, singleness must be the ultimate kingdom expression. The problem is we actually think of singleness primarily in very Western terms we think of me by myself, me and Jesus. but again that's not what Jesus presents at all and we don't see that anywhere in the scriptures. What we do see is we see believers in family community. we see them having all things in common. we see them walking together. their human marital status is not as important important as the fact that together we are going to come, together with Jesus in the marriage covenant of the Lamb and be made one with him, each of us. So what does it look like to live as family? I want you to come with uh, me and, uh, of course, Anne's this morning. We'll have a bit of discussion. We'll see how we go. Uh, and so I want you to come with me to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, And verse 19, it says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where their thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart is. Now, I want you to catch that because the key question I'm going to ask again in a moment is where have you set your sights? Where have I set my sights? Where are the sights of my family set? What's my vision? What's my direction? And Jesus actually tells us it's actually fairly broadly, really easy. Have you set your sights on heaven? And is your treasure and your your goal heaven, or is it earth where it can be destroyed? But let's hear it out a little bit further, and I'll ask this question again. The eye is the body, the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So the question again, first of five, where are my sight sets? Or if I want to ask it in a more communal or family sense, where are the sights of my family set? And how do we know, Ench? We walk this and it's important to us. How do we, how do we know we've actually got it set on heaven?
1: Yeah, well, I think in our family, we like to talk about what makes us mad, sad and glad, because I think the things that trigger those emotions within us uh, are a pretty good indicator of where our hope is set and where where our values are. And so I would um, love to ask you today, uh, what makes you mad in your family, what are the things that you fight about as a family or the things that you um, really feel a sense of injustice about? Because those things are gonna be things that you value. And in the same way, what are the things that you cry about together? Um, You know, do you cry about things that are of heavenly value? Are there things that move you that have eternal significance? And again, what what are you celebrating as a family? You know, I think we've talked about in life making an effort to celebrate because we're not really party people in general. Um, And certainly if we achieve something in life, uh, I think our background a little bit is kind of like, okay, let's just not make much fuss about it. But we determined fairly early on that we would celebrate certain achievements. And so, you know, I would ask us, well, what are we celebrating? Um, We celebrate to some degree, our kids' education, but is that the most important thing to be celebrating? I would say no, actually as a family we need to be celebrating the moments where our kids are kind to one another or where as a family we give something up so that somebody else can have something in life, you know, these yeah. are the things that we should be celebrating. Oh, that's cool, So I
0: yeah. thoroughly agree. Uh, unsurprising so what makes you sad mad and glad because that will tell you where your heart has been placed but keep in mind that the way you redirect it is by redirecting your treasure if you want to care about missions yeah, true. so in the missions if you want to care about your your children's or your friends those in your spiritual family their spiritual direction then so into that and guess what it'll matter to you it's a stock market principle. If you, if you want to care about your finance, sow your money in the stock market. And it's going to go up with the rise and down with the, the plunges. Um, let's keep on going in the text, though. It says this. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And uh, the two masters given here really is money or the things of the material world. Those things that actually give us esteem, they give us position, they give us self-sufficiency or God. So the question for me, as we uh, look into this issue, is uh, where are my hands placed? You know, often we, we talk up things, especially in this day and age. You know, you can become social media SJWs, like power, like going on about all sorts of issues in the world and you tweet about it or you, you post about it on Facebook, But at the end of the day, it's just empty words. Where are your hands? Where are your hands? And thus, where are the hands of my family? Where, where are they placed? Uh, so, Eng, I guess, for our discussion, uh, in terms of serving as family, um, what does that look like for us? Do, what do we do as a family to ensure our hands are in the right place?
1: Yeah, I think it's been really important for us as a family to emphasize that whatever Josh and I are doing, our kids are a part of that. Absolutely. So while we may have uh, a clear understanding of what God has asked us to do, our children may not, like we have to involve them in that. And we have, to, we have the responsibility of sharing that with them. So even simple things like a discussion around the dinner table about what we did today yeah. uh, and um, inviting the family to pray. So if something has come up, you know, let's pray about this together. Let's talk about it as much as we can together so that there's that buy-in from everyone in every age group. Because we also have like, we have a 15 year old and we, our youngest is nine. And so even as you're discussing these things, you have to take that into account. But I think as often as we can, our kids come with us.
0: Absolutely.
1: It was always very important that if Josh and I were going along on a Sunday morning to church to set up, the kids would come along and set up with us. I mean, kids can set up chairs and they can put out communion. And there's there's simple things, but even as adults, we should be serving in that manner. Children can do that too. Uh, Here where we live, there are a lot of, um, beggars on the streets and we notice that and I know I see it and Josh sees it and so we talk about that with our kids and we work out ways in which we can help people who are disadvantaged in our own community yeah we do it together as a family
0: yeah absolutely and I think one of the things we do a lot as a family is uh, we pray together and by pray together I mean I mean often even around dinner uh, it's often custom in Western families Traditional families, and Christian families often tend to be a little bit more traditional, that the the husband of the household prays the prayer, everyone says amen at the end, we all dig in, mum's cooked a great dinner. Uh, Yet one of the things we like to do in our family, fairly often, is that literally everyone prays. One after another, we make sure everyone prays. We want to model prayer as a family, in the very simplest things. We want to show them that God doesn't just hear dad or hear mum, but in actual fact, however our kids speak, um, this kingdom is for them entirely. And, you know, it's going to change as they grow. Uh, What they do will change as they grow. Our requirements of them will change as they grow. Uh, But it's really important for us, I think, to do this together. And even when we talk about our next steps as a family, we pray about it. Even if I maybe put it out there, we'll then go, hey, we need to pray about this as a family. Let's make a decision as a family.
1: And I think that you know praying around the dinner table for our meal, giving thanks for our meal, it can become a bit of a tradition, but actually those habits and traditions then give life to, or they can give life to the freedom to do that in other moments in life.
0: Absolutely. And I
1: think that's why they're so important. It's not just praying and giving thanks for food, but knowing that if we can all come together and pray now, There will be other moments in life where we need to come together and pray again and it's then taking those opportunities and doing that and building a habit of praying um, a habit of serving together whenever the moments arise yeah
0: i've noticed quite often over time uh, many people feel uncomfortable praying around people and i can't think of any other reason than uh if you've come from a christian family where you didn't really pray around people um, I know some people are more extroverted and some people more introverted, but at the end of the day, the only way I can stand in agreement with you, whether it's in my biological family or my spiritual family, is if I can hear you. We need yeah. to pray together. And um, it doesn't need to be, a you know, a hundred minutes long, but it does need to be together. And it does mean, uh, need to be together in terms of our focuses. You know, the text goes on, actually, and it says, therefore, do not worry about your life and what you will eat or drink or your body or what you will wear and i I guarantee you these are some of the things you and i worry about at times Uh, is life not more than food and the body not more than clothes look at the birds of the air they do not sow or reap or store um away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. You know, where is my trust? Where is our trust as a family? And I know for me at times, although I tend to be a bit more risk oriented, uh, this still gets me at times. I still lean back on my own capacity or my own planning. So I guess asking this question a little bit, and it is somewhat repetitious in theme, But how do we know where our trust is, Ange? Like, what are indicators we've shifted our trust to things other than God? And how can we overcome worry?
1: Yeah, I think worry is a big one. I think worry uh, is something that is very easy to do and that actually we, without realising it, I think we value worry in a sense. Like, if people don't worry, we we think think there's there's something wrong
0: Oh, they're foolhardy.
1: And it's interesting, it really was hit home to me recently because we've just lived through a significant earthquake yeah. and the fear that gripped our city, I haven't experienced fear like that in yeah. my own life in terms of the communal fear and just this expectation that
0: you, should be, you should be worried. Why aren't you scared? And why
1: are you not worried? And it was interesting for us because there, was a, there were a few days actually of panic yeah. After the earthquake happened, everyone left our building. Um, since that time, we've our building's been tested. It's fine to live in. But even just last week, I was having a conversation with someone who was like, you know, why aren't you more worried? Why aren't you more fearful? And
0: believers, not unbelievers. And, yeah, in this case, yeah, believers worrying.
1: Yeah. And to be honest with you, I have no other answer except that I trust in God. Yeah. And I have no reason to worry for my life. Because if I die, I know where I'm going. And that may seem irresponsible. It might seem shocking. But the reality is none of us know when we're going to die. Yeah. Like, and I don't believe that I am more protected than somebody else necessarily. I do pray for God's protection. And I do believe there are times where he may protect me miraculously. But I could just as easily die. Someone in my family could just as easily die as much as somebody down the road. Yeah. I have to trust in eternity and in the hope of the resurrection. And because I trust in that, I don't have to worry about what might happen. Yes, I have to be responsible. You know, we make decisions, we use wisdom. Uh, But as believers, I don't think we even have permission. To worry. Absolutely. Really. We don't have uh, We've seen that to recently
0: that. Uh, reading through Mark where, of course, the storm comes, Jesus is in the boat, mm-hmm. and uh, the disciples actually turn to Jesus and they're like, don't you care? And you would think this would be the moment where Jesus is like, oh, no, I, I care for you. No, 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 Jesus actually rebukes them. Catch this moment. Don't you care for me? We would expect that the, the response of a loving saviour would be, come here, let me hug you. No, 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 it's rebuke. Uh, and we need to realize that uh, fear is an indication that we have submitted to the things of the, of the flesh, not the spirit. And if we're walking in the spirit, crucial, crucial issue. If we are walking in the spirit, then life nor death, it doesn't matter what happens to us, it should not, it should not instill fear. And uh, this bothers me more with believers and unbelievers. I expect unbelievers to be fearful. They should be fearful because they're going to die one day and face their maker. Here's the deal. You're gonna die one day and face your maker. Are you fearful or not? See, I'm not fearful, because he's my father. And yes, I've failed. And yes, I've done something's right, something's wrong. Why would I fear? Yeah. I know the father. I can come boldly before the throne as his as his child and heir. And I think this is connected to this idea of value. And Jesus does this in Matthew 6 where he says, Are you not more valuable than they? You know where do i draw my value from where does my family draw its fan value from does it draw its value from our cultural heritage or our national heritage or our economic or educational status there's lots of things we can draw our value from and i've seen this in my travels and my times people draw their value from different uh quantifiers or qualifiers in their life but the value that we're supposed to have is supposed to be from the father mm. God loves you. Game over. He said, can you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if, uh, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he much more clothe you? You have little faith. Note that that's a bit of a slap right there. Uh, so do not worry, saying, "What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear?" For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. The pagans—that's their style. This is not. This is not Jesus' style. So have you? Have we struggled with value? You know. We've been discussing the idea of being seen. Maybe you could speak into this in terms of value, Ange.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, the quick answer is yes. I think we have all struggled with value. And I know as we prepared to move overseas, uh, one of the warnings we were given was actually that we were moving at an age for ourselves where it could be really very difficult because in a sense we were hitting our prime in terms of the value that we would receive from others. Uh, and statistics kind of show that people who move overseas at our age struggle uh, because of that detachment or that um, loss of value that is found within community. And positions. And and positions. And so I think, you know, we prepared for that in a sense. But I've also really noticed um, recently we've been watching with the kids just a little bit of uh, some of those um, videos online from America's Got Talent. And I'm sure you've all seen those talent shows. And, I, you know, I love and I'm very inspired by the incredible talent that is out there in the world. There are some incredibly talented and amazing people and, um, you know, we love watching those shows. But I can't help but notice also and just think about the, the desire within all of us to be seen and to be affirmed. And I think the world says you are successful, the more people that say... See you. you. know, you're awesome, yeah. you're valued. And I think that's what makes those shows so popular is our desire to get on stage, to have our talent shown and to be seen and to be valued. Um, but what we've been talking about is uh, that our greatest sense of value comes from being seen by God. Yeah. That is actually where we find peace and it's where we find our value. And there's this beautiful scripture, uh, Genesis chapter 16 has the story of Hagar. And often Hagar is kind of put up as a bit of an enemy. Um, yeah,
0: especially in modern sort of themes. Yeah,
1: she's not, we don't particularly focus on her um, as the good person in the story for sure. But Hagar actually in this scripture, she is probably at her lowest point in life. Not only is she a slave, but she's actually been misused, abused, mistreated by Abram and Sarai uh, in the passage. And so she flees from Abram's family. And at this point, she's pregnant. And, you know, I can only imagine the sense of uh, just being devalued that she would have had, this sense of loss sense of nobody noticing nobody sees me nobody cares about me Um, she's really been used and mistreated and yet she has an encounter with the angel of the lord and there's this credible moment where she has a conversation with the lord most high he gives her a promise and her response to him is uh, in verse 13 she actually gives him a name and she says to him you are the god who sees me and then she says, I have now seen the one who sees me. And for me, this um, is just an incredible moment that tells me this is actually how what our position should be before the Lord. And this is what I hope that I can lead my children to, is an encounter with God where they are seen by him and they know it. Yeah, they absolutely. have this moment where... I mean, and, I- yeah, yeah, so yeah,
0: absolutely. And I guess this is where you we're going with a sense of going, are we going for the things of this world, the kingdom of this world, the kings of this world, or are we going for the king of kings? And that's where Jesus, I love, have, you have like this whole spiel at times. And then uh, we see it with Paul or we see it with Jesus particularly here where he says, but, you know, all the pagans do this. It's natural. Look on TV, look on Instagram, look on Facebook, look on TikTok, look on uh, every other form of social media. And it's li- literally about, look at me. Look at me, me first. You even hear it in different forms in the Christian church, I would argue. Uh, there's spiritualized idolatry. I mean, like it's spun, as positive, but it's not. But Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of Uh, And his righteousness and all these things, all those other concerns, they will be added to you. See, the reality is, and I like to always repeat this, and particularly when we talk about family, I want to repeat this, because I think there's a temptation to think that when you're single, you can take risks and live fearlessly Live on the edge. But when you when you start a family or if you involve yourself in the lives of other people, then you need to be careful. You need to be wise. You need to be insightful. You need to be blah, blah, blah. See, sometimes responsibility is a cage. I believe in responsibility, but as a, a platform for authority and the responsibility I have primarily is to seek for his kingdom of God and his righteousness. Mm-hmm. And God doesn't have a priority list. It's not like God and then sh- my wife, and then my kids, and then... No, no, no. It's seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And then all these things shall be added unto you. And this is really important because God is not called family to be first. You know, it's probably the biggest Christian... Frankly, it's probably a hashtag. Family first! And the idea is responding to a false idea which had people compartmentalizing their life and dad would go out particularly in Christian leadership and he would serve the church and he would leave his family and in actual fact he would honor God on a certain level within the church but dishonor Jesus in the family by neglecting his roles in family but that's not seeking the kingdom first seeking the kingdom first looks like seeking the king's rule and reign and his right standing and his right ways In every context, how am I seeking first the kingdom of God? You know, the opposite reaction at times to the idolatrous sense that some Christians can have about marriage or family first is because people are like, oh, there's something wrong with that. They can't feel it. It's like, no, 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 me first, me first, me first. I, I need to feed me and when I'm healthy and when I'm good and when I'm satisfied and then I will serve. Well, sorry, but that's not in the Bible. That's not biblical. Service always comes before. Service always comes before. And we see that uh, in Jesus, of course. It's a false response. You know, another expression of that is my gift or my passion. But the fact is, gifts without service just is an ego trip. Passion without service, without serving, is just narcissism and in actual fact i think the problem is often in the church and in family even we've eaten into narcissistic ideas i'll even probably give you something a little confronting i do not believe that husband and wife in a family have differing gifts that'll leave them lead them in differing directions if your gift and your passion is leading you in an entirely different direction than your spouse then stop it It's not biblical. It is better that you lose your job than lose uh, your honour before God who has called us to honour our mother and father, who has called us to honour our wives and love our wives and respect your husband, that whole environment. Mm -hmm. You know, God has called us to do life in family. Uh, And the problem is these things are compelling because they're partially true, but they're packaged in such a way to be like, a sweet poison pill covered in sugar it feels good but it actually will destroy everything you know you as an individual you're important but you're important in the same way that a thumb is important on the hand if detached from the body it actually soon loses its life so how can we build kingdom family? how can we build kingdom family because jesus says and i just want you to hear one last thing jesus states something really controversial i think it's in matthew uh, chapter 12 verse 46 and it says this while jesus was still talking to the crowd his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him some told him your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you he replied to him who is my mother and who are my brothers pointing to his disciples he says here are my mother and my brothers for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and and brother uh, and mother now my point here is not to try and disparage the the biological family Uh, i I saw someone blog about this once and said i don't think jesus was trying to be rude to his mother can i uh, can i argue that actually he was jesus jesus mother absolutely knew. That she should have, in cultural terms, had priority in his life, but she doesn't. When Jesus was at the temple, even as a child, Jesus nearly rebukes him and goes, Don't you know that I should be in my father's house? Can you imagine that, hitting you as a, as a parent who loves their child? You know, there, there is power in serving together. There's power in not just defining family in terms of biology, but in terms of who is our true father in heaven. You know, one of the cases we've, over the years, uh, Angie and I have had over, I don't know, how many?
1: It could be close to 30. Now. I don't
0: know. We have no idea. Probably close to 30 people live with us. Uh, far more people not just live with us, but spend a significant amount of time in our lounge room, days after days, just doing life with us. And so, you know, I, I want to speak to us in this, and then we're going to flip to an interview quickly before we wrap up. Uh We do family together by doing life together, genuinely, inviting people into our lives. And this is not about being single or married or having kids or not. It's about realizing that those who do the will of God, they are our brothers and sisters. They are our mothers and fathers. So how about you, we're just going to flick straight to a quick interview between Ange and uh, Rachel Joandy, who's totally part of our family.
1: Hey everyone, so over the next few weeks we are looking at relationships and particularly relationship goals how to build healthy relationships and today we want to look at family you know Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5 God talks about adopting us into his family and how it gives him great pleasure mm-hmm. to do that and uh, in, in, also in that way as a church as we come into community it is also on us that mandate to build family and to build great families. And I believe that we can gain a lot of pleasure from it. Um, And there are many, many great um, gifts that come from being family. And so today, just briefly, I've invited Rachel to be with me because I wanted to talk to her about what it means to come into a family that perhaps is not, not originally seen as your own family, Uh, Josh and I over the years have had many people live with us, um, well over 20 people now and counting, even from the very first months of our marriage, we had people in our home. Mm -hmm. Some of those people have really been just like housemates, they've come and gone, Uh, some of them have been in great need at times, Mm -hmm. others not so much, Um, but some of those people have truly become like real family to us, and Rach, you know that you're one of those people, yeah. You've lived with us uh, in two six-month blocks Mm -hmm. uh, initially when we came to Turkey. Our children refer to you as Aunty Rachel Mm -hmm. um, and we love that and we've done that on purpose in some ways. And so I wanted to ask you a few questions about what it's been like for you, Mm -hmm. um, a little bit about what it's been like living for us, but how as a church we can include people and, and continue to build the family of God. in a sense, because I think that is on us as a church to do. It's very important, especially as people are coming into the family of God, that they Mm. find physical family. Uh, And, you know, we know that not everybody gets married, not everybody has children, Mm. uh, but we are family. Yeah. And we should treat each other as family. Yeah,
2: definitely.
1: So uh, what are perhaps some of the things that we should keep in mind when we want to bring people into our family, perhaps into like our blood family in a sense.
2: Yeah, I think one of the things to keep in mind is that it does just take time. Um, From the very first moment that I stepped uh, into Turkey and into your family's home and you showed me my room, um, I could see that you guys had really put in the time and the effort to think about what it would take to make me feel like family. Um, Little touches like having a little welcome sign that the girls had drawn and so things like that make a big difference and there is an attitude of inclusivity and welcome that you can give to people but it also takes time and um, every family has their own culture um, and so that will take a bit of adjusting to your family is a little bit louder than mine yes and so (laughs) it has taken a little bit of time to get used to that um, but then last year, being uh, back in Australia and living with my biological family, sometimes I was like, where's the noise? Where are the people? <laughs> Where yeah. are the kids? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, those two things that um, to start with that attitude of welcome, and I have really felt welcomed. Um, and then learning to um, better relate to each other over time, learning people's Uh, preferences and love languages and um, I joke that my love language is the unknown sixth love language which is food and um, and she really made an effort in that to provide good food for me yeah Um, from cookies to um, having my favorite Turkish pastry when I came back the second time and even like to having my own little mug at the Reading household that Josh frequently fills with coffee, so um, does that answer your question? Yeah,
1: and I, I think you've brought up a really good point about intentionality. Yes. Like there are um, ways of getting to know somebody, yeah. That and you mentioned that it takes time, and yes it does, yeah. but you could, um, by asking the right questions, you mm-hmm. can actually get there a lot faster. Yes. I think, and so I know... I, we're in a specific situation. I know when mm-hmm. you were coming to Turkey, we did ask you a lot of questions. Yes. Um, and one of those was that your love language was food. Yeah. And exactly. so if you've read the book, The Five Love Languages, and you haven't seen that, that's all right. It's Rachel's special language. Um, but it, it did it really... it's yeah, yeah. It really did help us, I yeah. guess, as we got to know you, to try to make things comfortable for you. Mm-hmm. And I think people can do that back in Australia... Even if somebody's not actually living with them, isn't that right? Like there are ways that we can be intentional to find out about a person and include them in the family, Yeah. make them feel at home. Perhaps can you talk about maybe some adjustments that you needed to make or or are there sacrifices on your part Mm -hmm. um, that need to be made or things that you've changed Mm -hmm. to be able to fit into our family?
2: yeah i mean so starting with the um, simple example of the noise levels uh, with four children in a household it is a little bit noisier than my family had three Um, and i think your family is home a lot more together as well so there is more noise in that Um, your family is also more flexible uh, than both my family and myself in terms of my personality yeah Um, and so I have had to adjust my expectations around planning and timing and especially when we go on trips together I think the first trip or two was maybe more stressful than I let on Um, but over time I have um, (laughs) I have just sort of adjusted and I know that things work out in the end and not always at the time that we hope it will or in the right sort of order that we yeah, in the framework said but we get yeah. there in the end yeah um and i've learnt to relax a little bit in the midst of it all
1: um, and have you still had moments where you can pull away and like you still feel like you have a sense of independence in your life
2: yes yes and so that was something that has been important in coming to turkey and living with your family to still maintain um my own sort of sometimes friends, people yeah. that I see and hang out with and have time uh, with them myself or even having my own room, I think is important yes. to have yep. a place that you can go and uh, be a little yep. bit and away. of course,
1: right now you're actually living yeah. a few blocks down the road from yeah. us, yeah. living with Carla. Um, and so there is a separation in living spaces, but I hope that we have still maintained that family feel and that family relationship and so
2: just just, quickly though, now that i've thought about the difference between living in a different place and living in your household one of the things that i really loved about living in your home itself as well as being family with you was the morning routine and sitting down together and having breakfast and reading the bible together um i don't get to do that as much now but that was one of the ways that i felt very included as family so if you are living with people or even if you're not living with people i think there's ways that you can include people in your everyday yeah that makes them family not just friends that you set aside a little bit of time for sure bring them to your daily routine
1: yeah and so that could be something like a life community yeah where the people in your life community you know you're reading the bible together you're praying together and i think that spiritual dynamic yeah um it really shapes yeah. how the family looks and yeah. the ultimate goals of the family in terms of their focus on Christ. Yeah. And so that's important, whether you are living with somebody or not. Yeah. yeah. And so what would your encouragement be to people who are um, listening to this today and thinking, um, okay, I may not be ready to have somebody live with me, yeah. but I certainly want to extend the breadth of my family yeah. um, from just me and my husband or um, and my children or however your family looks, you know, I want mm-hmm. to go further out and bring people in. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there a, a couple of words of wisdom or some encouragement that you would like to give to them? Today? Yeah,
2: I guess I would say it's worth it. Um, and the, from my perspective, what I've gained from being a part of the running family has been invaluable Uh, the support and the love that I felt especially living in a foreign country but I think uh, whether you're in your home country or a foreign country or a new city or your old city we all need support and encouragement yeah
1: absolutely and having people
2: beside you who you count as family is I think makes a huge difference um, in our walk with God and I would also say when it Uh, is not going as well as you thought it might or when you have difficult moments to stick it out and to remember that family almost by definition is messy at times uh, but you're with each other for the long haul and if you have a longer term perspective then the immediate uh, difficulty can be overcome and just the importance of making that clear to each other that you're there for each other, you love each other and apologizing to one another, mm-hmm. I think um, we have both apologized to each other, and I think that has paved the way for a deeper relationship yeah. and for trust to be um, not just reestablished but actually deepened in the long term. Yeah. Um,
1: so, yeah. yeah. There have certainly been some difficult moments yeah. uh, that we've shared, but I would agree with you. It is absolutely worth it, and yeah. I and more than that, I actually think it is. The mandate on the church yes that we be family and i think this will be a subject for another interview at some point mm. but we have spent a lot of time talking about when new believers come into the fold yeah and particularly here they are isolated from their biological families mm. often and that's something that we as a whole church need to consider yeah yeah anyway thank you rach thank you so much for your time you know we love you mm-hmm. and um we will talk again soon
0: Hey, I hope you enjoyed that quick chat. Uh, You know, there's a lot of things we could cover uh, in talking about family. We could talk about biological family and discipline and how we discipline and how we disciple. And the truth of the matter is all those things are important. It's important to realize that uh, our kids can't just be discipled by ourselves, but at the same time, We as parents have the primary responsibility for discipling our church. You can't, our our children, you can't subcontract that out to the kids' ministry on a Sunday. Trust me, it will not work. It will not work. Uh, But at the same time, I, I want you to hear our hearts. If you focus your entire family life, and by family life, I don't mean just biological family, but spiritual family, around pursuing the kingdom of God about seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness, then it will change the way you consider your discipline. It will con- change the way you consider your finance. It will change the way uh, you consider every area of your life. Is this expressing the kingly rule of Jesus in our lives? And is this the right thing to do? When And will it look like such? Will it be such when I stand before Jesus on that day? Hey... Let's pray.
1: Holy Spirit, we just thank you so much for your presence. We know that uh, you have this incredible ability just to renew our minds as we come to you each day. Uh, Lord, our thoughts are not always your thoughts, but we want them to be. And so Holy Spirit, we just commit ourselves to following you more and more. We commit ourselves to renewing our minds each day. And we uh, pray, Lord, that as we do life together, that you would help us to invite people to join us. Lord, that we would do life as family, that we would do life in community, that we would be on mission together, serving uh, with your kingdom as our focus. Help us, Lord, to uh, discern and to have wisdom as we step out each day. We know that we can't do it on our own, but that we need not just each other, we need you. And so, Lord, we just ask, that you would stay with us, that your presence would always be with us and that uh, we can really be a shining light to the nations as we come together as family, as we value one another and as we find our value in you, Lord. Uh, May we shine just an incredible light um, that so many more would come to know you and would come to be a part of the family of God. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. We love you guys. Uh, We're family.